This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. I'm not joking. I kill people. I'm exactly the Jerry type for you. Lately, there are these moments when I feel connected to something else. Would you please stop doing that? And stop saying stupid things. Talk about your bloodbath. <laughs> Greetings, sociopaths. Welcome to Avenging Angels here on Film Geek Radio. This is our podcast devoted exclusively to the eighth and final season of the Showtime series Dexter. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined by my dark passenger, Charlie Nash. Hey, Andrew. How are you doing, Charlie? I'm okay. I'm pretty tired. I could go for some hookers and some blow right now, but since this isn't the 90s, caffeine it is. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they still have hookers and blow now. But really? Yeah, yeah. I think there, those might still exist. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> but, but I agree with you. Caffeine's probably the better choice. My connection's dried up, and I just can't find any strip clubs in Boston. <laughs> Maybe I'm not looking hard enough. <laughs> I'm sure your daughter would love that. All right. <laughs> okay. As always, our listeners can email the show at avengingangels at filmgeekcreator.com. If you are in- enjoying... Avenging Angels, please write us a review on iTunes. Uh, the show will be ending soon, and we would love to know what you think and uh, what you'd like to see improved in future podcasts, because, quick announcement, we will be producing a brand new podcast. Charlie, you and I will be premiering a brand new weekly podcast in a week or two. Uh, we're going to be doing a show all about the third season of the Showtime series Homeland. Uh, I am also going to be launching a show on Film Geek Radio about the first season of the new ABC series Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So that's very exciting as well. Um, and I have, I have high hopes that both of those shows will be more enjoyable, but who knows, perhaps equally as loopy as this final <laughs> season of Dexter. <laughs> Would you agree with that, Charlie? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm almost done with the second season of Homeland, and it's such a fantastic show. It's utterly gripping. It uh, deals with the war on terror and examines it in ways that uh, are incredibly complex. The characters are fantastic. The performances are amazing. Even when the show seems to go over the top or jump the shark at all, I'm still totally on board with it because the writing is so strong, the characters are so well fleshed out, and the themes about uh, war and post-9-11 America are just absolutely riveting. And uh, I can't wait to finish the second season, and I can't wait till the third season starts. All right, well, let's talk Dexter, Charlie. We've got two episodes of the show left, including the one we're going to talk about right now. Uh, this is episode number 12 of Avenging Angels, focused on the 11th episode of season 8 of Dexter. The episode is titled Monkey in a Box. It was written by Tim Schlotman and Wendy West, and it was directed by Ernest Dickerson, who's longtime director who's been involved with this show. I think he came on board during season 3. So he's 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 been working on the show for a while. This is his final episode. It's the penultimate episode of the entire series. Charlie, why don't you go ahead and give our listeners a quick reminder about what happened in Monkey in a Box. Well, we uh, start right where we left off. Dexter's at Vogel's apartment after she's been murdered by Saxon and uh, reports the crime to the Miami PD. And they, of course, being the Miami PD, can't find any useful evidence at all to pin down Saxon. 
After the entire police squad attends Vogel's funeral, Batista makes a toast to Dexter, wishing him the very best uh, for him and Harrison as they, quote-unquote, travel for the rest of the year. Elway stops by Deb's apartment one more time to question her about Hannah, and she, of course, gives him the cold shoulder. Due to the fact that Elway and Clayton are now on the hunt for Hannah, Dexter basically recommends that she stay at a hotel, and he will meet up with her to leave for the airport after taking care of Saxon. Saxon also meets Dexter at his apartment pretending to be someone interested in renting it out and asks to make a truce in which both of them walk away and go their own separate paths. However, after Saxon mentions his knowledge of Hannah, Deb, Aster, and Cody, Dexter believes this to be a threat, which only increases his motivation to kill Saxon further. Deb and Dexter have one final dinner together, and afterwards Deb helps Dexter in sedating Saxon, and they bring him to the hospital that he's using as a kill room. Dexter has a change of heart at the last second and tells Deb to call in Miami PD and she would be the hero of the Miami Police Department. However, when they're saying a final goodbye to each other outside, uh, Marshall Clayton comes into the room in which Saxon is tied up in, frees him, and gets killed. When Deb returns to make sure Saxon is still bound, he shoots her in the gut and makes a narrow escape just as Dexter packs up his stuff, grabs Harrison, and plans to meet Hannah at the motel. Before we really dive into things, here's a clip. You all right? Evelyn's dead. Saxon killed her last night in front of me. He got away. I wanted you to hear it from me. Miami Metro's working the case. It's all over the news. Jesus Christ, you all right? I know. If it weren't for her, we might not have found our way back to each other. If Saxon's out there, Harrison needs to be with Jamie. She's back at Batista's. He'll be safe there. Are you going to go after Saxon? Yes. All right, Charlie, this is the penultimate episode of the entire series. What did you think of Monkey in a Box? Do you think that this is going to be a satisfying conclusion? At this point, unfortunately, I don't. The writers have not gotten their shit together. I believe that the actors are able to outshine the terrible writing in some scenes of this episode. I I thought Michael C. Hall and uh, Jennifer Carpenter had to say some pretty terrible things this episode, and yet, even though this season has been a complete mess and I've been really, really hating it, there were a few scenes, as soapy and as silly as they were, that I felt actually worked somewhat, but... When it comes down to the plot and the way that uh, these scenes are executed and just the whole... There's just no tension anymore. And a lot of plot developments are based off of random coincidences that not only feel contrived, but are just plain stupid. You know, Andrew, I've just become kind of numb to this whole season. It's like, I, I I just don't have, you know, I have no expectations anymore. So like, it didn't hurt as much as other episodes, but maybe that's because it's, the show has already broken my heart so long ago. Well, I got to tell you, Charlie, I didn't hate this episode. I thought that there were, there were large portions of this episode that actually kind of worked, you know, I- ignoring the convoluted ridiculous mess of a season we've had so far. I was just trying to watch this episode and think, okay, 
ignoring the messy route we took to get here, is what I'm watching right now an interesting conclusion to this series? And I think that in some ways, yes, this is this is not an awful way to end things. Obviously, this is Dexter, so it's not perfect. There are a few little things to laugh at here and there, and I think that the final climactic scene is terrible. Yeah, it's awful. Absolutely. I laughed out loud uh, when it happened, even though it's supposed to be this really big, dramatic moment. Uh, it's it's horribly executed. But other than that final scene, I thought that for most of this episode, I was kind of on... I was pretty on board with what they were doing. You know, once I've got, once I've just made peace with the fact that this is the route they're taking, I don't think it was horribly handled. But let's let's dive into specifics. I I, I think it would work best if we just go scene by scene through the episode um and talk about what worked and what didn't just because we're both probably going to have a lot of things to say about that ending so let's let's save that to later on and just start from the beginning it opens up with dexter cleaning up all of the evidence around the crime scene where vogel has just been murdered and all i could think charlie was wait why is he deleting vogel's hard drive yeah is that going to become evidence like i don't know enough about detective work like, if I murdered you, Charlie, <laughs> would the police, like, take your computer and look for uh, clues? Are they allowed to do that? I'm pretty sure that they'd find a way okay. with, like, permission from my parents. Or is it, like, only in certain situations, in a certain context, or if you meet certain, if the if the situation meets certain requirements, then you can take people's computers, or how, do, how does it work exactly? I mean, that's a really good question, because honestly, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure you can and you can look into, like, the computers and the financial history and, and, and everything of people you suspect mm -hmm. might be responsible. But can you do that with the victims? I assume so. Okay. I was just trying to figure out, like, why is he wiping those files, is it really necessary? I mean, I know that there's information about him on her computer, probably, but would they really look on her computer? Or, you know, I, I, it was just a weird thing to me. I mean, I can imagine them wanting to go through maybe, like, her uh, web history or something like that. Or, you know, maybe uh, she was a psychiatrist. Maybe she had some files on a potential patient that could have killed her. I, It's a good question. I honestly didn't think of that. Well, and also I was just wondering, well, if he wants to get rid of them, that would be good information to have. So why doesn't he just, like, I don't know, transfer it all to a flash drive or something? That, that, that's another good point. I, I really don't have an answer uh, for that, Andrew. Uh, I didn't even really think about that. I was just kind of like, okay, whatever. Like, you know, there are some things in Dexter that I just kind of like, should I be asking this question or should I be asking this question? Because there are, like, I feel like when it comes down to it, there are a bunch of things that you could ask questions about in every scene of this season. You know, I, I didn't think of that. Now I'm curious to find out if you actually can do that. Yeah, well, well that was just a little small question and, and little quibble I had with this scene. Overall, I was just thinking, how is this not suspicious? This is <laughs> the third person that's close to Dexter that has been killed off, the th third major character that's that's been killed off that these detectives know about. The second one this season, after Cassie. Yeah. How does that not set off some alarms somewhere in, in the back of someone's head? 
which is exactly what I was thinking as opposed to the hard drive. I was basically thinking, wow, Batista never asks Dexter, hey, isn't it weird that your wife and Oaks and Zach and Cassie and all these, you're always first to the crime scene. That's interesting. Like, no one even questions that. Cassie died a few weeks ago. She lives next door to you. Now Vogel's dead, and you're close to her. What's going on here? Hmm. Yeah, no, instead he's just thinking about how... I'm sure that uh, he's just writing in his journal about how much he's going to miss Dexter with, like, a little shot of tequila, and it'll be, like, stained with his tears, and the ink will be, like, running down the (laughs) about how much he's going to miss him. (laughs) Oh, my God. Batista has been the most wasted character this season. Batista has done nothing except at the beginning of the season, he encouraged Quinn to take the sergeant's exam. That is all he has done this entire season. He's not doing his job at all. He's a gossip queen now. (laughs) And the one thing I will say... You said you didn't hate this episode. I didn't hate this episode that much. (laughs) I know that sounds terrible. I disliked this episode, but I didn't hate it as much as others, but it was still, like, pretty frustrating for me to watch. I will say, as dumb as Batista is and has been for a long time, the toast with Dexter, maybe it was just that, that, you know, sentimentality that's like, oh, wow, we've actually spent eight years with these characters. But I thought that was a pretty well-executed scene where... It was him just giving a fine speech. Obviously, Batista's not close to Dexter at all, but I thought that worked. And then there's a shot of Michael C. Hall in close-up that actually, as much as I've hated Dexter this season, I actually thought that kind of worked. I liked all the stuff with him and Deb. The two of them clearly have chemistry together, and even when they had to say ridiculous things... And things that I don't agree with. And it got really sappy where Deb, like, touches his heart and goes, there's a human being in there. Like, (laughs) even when it got really corny, I was like, Jennifer Carpenter and Michael C. Hall are just too good that it's just, uh, it's some parts of it worked. Parts of it worked. I won't say that there was an entirely successful scene in this entire episode, but there were like, there were glimpses of great potential where I saw what they were trying to do. Yeah. And that scene with Batista giving his little farewell speech. I mean, that that's clearly meant to tug at the heartstrings of the audience. Like, yep, Dexter's going away. It's, it's, it's ending. We're going to miss you, Dexter, you know, and you can, and you're right. Michael C. Hall does a, does a good job in that scene and he looks pretty emotional. After next week, we won't be seeing him as Dexter Morgan anymore. So, so yeah, I think it was a well done scene in terms of everything else going on. Hannah is getting ready to go with Dexter and Harrison to Argentina and she printed off some sort of untraceable e-ticket <laughs> or itinerary. Yeah. I was like, she's she like is holding it out to Dexter. And she's like, I have the itinerary. It's untraceable. And I was thinking, <laughs> it's a piece of paper. By definition, <laughs> there is a paper trail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not to mention, uh, those tickets that are untraceable don't exist. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's illegal. If they do exist that that's just insane and I will I will have a hard time believing that that is actually a thing. Oh yeah, and then and then later on uh Elway's like, "Oh, I can I can trace it. I just have to go outside the law to do it." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay, I don't understand why you couldn't have just had them buy normal tickets." You know, like, again, it goes back to that whole idea of why hasn't Hannah taken on an entire new identity at this point? Why hasn't she dyed her hair, changed her appearance, gotten some fake uh, IDs? All they had to do was do that. 
and then they could just hop on the next commercial flight to Argentina. Yeah, exactly. Put on a pair of fake glasses, put on a pair of overalls, cut your hair, do something. I almost expected her last episode to show up at the hospital with Harrison wearing a ski mask. Like, it's just so silly and so... They, they, they can't even explain it. They can't even have her just be shallow and superficial and be like... But I, I can't change the way I look. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like, there's that scene where Marshall Clayton shows up to talk to Deb and is like, hey, we saw a woman meeting Hannah's description at the hospital. And Deb is like, oh, that was me. And all I could <laughs> think was, you know, Deb, that alibi might work if Hannah had dyed her hair or done anything <laughs> to change her appearance. Yeah. <laughs> but she didn't. So why is that the excuse? You don't think that people can rec- can tell what color hair a person is? Well, clearly, uh, as Deb said, they should get their fucking eyes checked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she saw blonde hair when really it was brunette, apparently. You brought up Elway. I felt so bad for Elway this episode. <laughs> he, the poor guy comes in, and even if he doesn't mean it or not, he apologizes for his ego on the last day of Deb's job. And then, once again, Deb gives him the cold shoulder and is an utter terrible person to him. Well, I mean, I mean, she can tell he's there to snoop around. I actually was kind of glad they finally gave Elway something to do in this episode. It's like, oh, finally, he's tailing Hannah. He might actually be important in how this thing ultimately turns out. I, I'm glad they gave him something to do, but once again, it just puts them in that, it just puts them in that horribly abusive relationship with Deb where she's just, you know, stomping all over him again. But then again, Deb gets walked all over by everybody else, so maybe it's only fair that she gets one character to take advantage of? I don't know. Right. She doesn't get walked over by Quinn, who apparently still has that wedding ring and has kept it in his desk the entire time for two or three years now, however long it's been. And all I could think was, why isn't Deb freaking out? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She originally broke up with him because, you know, she wasn't ready for that level of commitment. Now she finds out he's so committed, he held on to that for years. I mean, that's that's kind of... Kind of scary. Kind of creepy. creepy. Yeah, Yeah. especially (laughs) since they just officially got back together one episode ago. Yeah. I feel like that's something you need to wait a few months down the road and be like, oh, hey, things are going well, just so you know, I held on to this thing. Yeah, and considering the last time that uh, she uh, got proposed to, they had been dating for a whole season, and maybe there was a jump in time, so maybe they were dating even more than that. And now she's just like, oh, that's so sweet. And all I could think was... Yeah, if if that happened in real life, I think you might want to file a restraining order. <laughs> but then again, she's gotten over her serial killing brother, so I guess Deb isn't scared of anything anymore. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, a- Any normal person would be like, this person is crazy. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of Quinn, he does get a little scene this episode. It is a pretty dumb scene where Saxon shows up to clear his name. He shows up at the station, which was an interesting twist. And it's not an awful scene. Quinn does whatever the standard stuff you're supposed to do and asks him the standard questions. It's it's after the scene. I laughed out loud because Dexter tells Deb he had an answer for everything Quinn threw at him. 
And I was like, wait, what did Quinn throw at him? Like, this wasn't some, this wasn't some super intense interrogation. Quinn barely talked. It was basically just Saxon saying, hey, here's the situation. Here's why I'm here. Yeah, not to mention that the answers he gave to Quinn's questions were ridiculous, such as, oh, I'm here for uh, Cassie's murder. I didn't even know I was a suspect. And I'm like, do you not remember uh, <laughs> Quinn and uh, Deb knocking on your door four episodes ago and then you left the house? <laughs> do you not remember having coffee or lunch or whatever with Quinn and him like asking you questions about Zach? You can play dumb, but not that dumb. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I would say that's the biggest problem with this show at this point. And, and with this season of Doctor as a whole, has just been that characters act dumb they just they just don't make normal intelligent decisions and (laughs) it just doesn't make a lot of sense these are not real people thank god i i I really hope my local police department is not as incompetent as the police department (laughs) on this show maybe there will be a twist and half of them are cyborgs (laughs) it actually turns out to be a period piece set in uh, 2100s or something. I don't know. They, they're, they're all aliens or something, and they're just so absurd. <laughs> we never said it was Miami on planet Earth. <laughs> yeah. Also, one other thing about that interrogation scene. Did you... I'm not sure if they were going for this, but did you get weird, like, homoerotic vibes when Dexter was giving uh, Saxon the, the uh, DNA swab? <laughs> it was oh. just really <laughs> weird. Like... I'm not sure if they were going for homoeroticism, but it felt like that, <laughs> like whether it was intentional or not. <laughs> Look, Charlie, they have an intense connection, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what if he ends up leaving Hannah for Saxon? And then it's, and then it's just like, it, it cuts to like Scott Buck going, hi, I'm Scott Buck, and I support gay rights. I We thought it would be a very ambitious step to uh, have Dexter come out at the very uh, last episode of the series. It all turns out that Dexter was not only closet uh, killing because he had a passion for it, but it had to do with his closeted homosexuality, which everyone in America faces today who is gay. And I, like, I don't know, maybe I'm taking this way too far. I mean, Michael C. Hall did play a gay guy on Six Feet Under. And he was fantastic. Yeah, so maybe maybe they could just uh, kind of have a little nod to that, you know? He actually bumps into his character from Six Feet Under. He bumps into David Fisher, and then it could be like he's just acting with himself. <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. The Dexter and David show. I like it. I, I will say one thing that I liked about this episode and that I think did make it much more palatable than some of the other recent episodes we've seen is that they really do bring Dexter to this place where he has to make a moral choice, and he does seem to have evolved in a certain way. You know, he he keeps saying throughout the entire episode, maybe I'm not the old Dexter, maybe I've changed. I mean, first he makes the decision not to go after Saxon, which is kind of a big deal. And then he makes the decision to go after him, but not to kill him. And he start, and he at the end he does sort of give this little... He does have this little epiphany about how he doesn't need to kill anymore. That, I thought, was was a nice development. It was like, oh, finally, we are actually seeing that this character has evolved in a certain way. It may have been a really messy, incomprehensible route that we took to get here, but at least they're saying at the end of the show, he's changed, which I mm-hmm. think is is nice. The main reason I've hated so many uh, episodes this season is because I just don't find Dexter to be empathetic in any way. I think he's just been a huge jerk. 
and doesn't realize it. And here, he's at least trying to be a good person. He's definitely trying, and I didn't hate him as much as I've hated him in a long time. I still don't think a lot of what happens in this episode makes sense, but the fact that Dexter's trying to give up killing, and yeah, the way it's executed in the last two scenes are absolutely ridiculous. It's almost like you could see Tinkerbell or something flying around him and poke him with his little her little wand, and he just goes, I don't need it anymore. Right. There hasn't been a really great transition this season. There hasn't been a really nuanced evolution of him questioning why he does what he does, whether or not he needs to do it. So it does feel kind of like a sharp turn here at the end, but I'm still grateful it's there. Yeah, I'll take it at this point. I mean, yeah, you know, it's better than him saying, I can't stop killing and I have to kill Saxon and I can just give it up when I go to Argentina. At least we've got this development out of the way. Right, like, I was really worried after Vogel was killed at the end of the last episode that basically these last two episodes of this of the season would be nothing but, I have to kill Saxon, I have to kill Saxon, I have to kill Saxon, blah, blah, blah. And, mm-hmm. and, and that was going to be, like, his last hurrah that he goes out on. And I, I'm glad that in this episode they don't, go, they don't go that route, and they actually have him questioning whether or not he needs to do this, whether or not it's the right thing to do. And when he makes that decision at the end to 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 hand him over to Deb, I was like, okay, that is that is kind of satisfying. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of the route we took to get here, but as an idea, I like that this is where the show has ended up. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And even though his ultimate decision not to kill Saxon is driven out of his own selfish desire. At least he's trying to do something for Deb in the process and make her look like a hero. I mean, when it comes down to it, he's not killing Saxon for himself, but at least he's trying to give Deb a nice welcome back by saying that she caught him. Right. Cause I can't think of the last time that he's done anything for Deb. I always did like this place. Yeah, the same view of the water Cassie did. What are you doing here? I have a proposal. Figured the safest way to deliver it was to bring a referee. I'm listening. We walk away. Walk away. Both of us. From each other. Go our separate paths, live our separate lives. I forget about you. You forget about me. You went out of your way to kill your mother in front of me, and you just expect me to forget? That may have been a little bit over the top, but I was only trying to make a point. I missed the point. It was a test to see if, given the chance, she would finally choose me. Well, we both know how that turned out. So naturally you had to cut her throat. You know what it's like to kill It can be cathartic, and it was. That's why I'm giving you a choice. Go on with your life, or come after me. I did think it was interesting, and again, this just goes back to how terribly written this character is. Oliver goes to Dexter's apartment and basically says, let's go our separate ways. Mm -hmm. Which is interesting to me. I mean, I can see why they have to do that, because they they have to put Dexter in a position as a character where he's the one making the decision whether or not to go after this guy. So it's important Mm -hmm. that Oliver basically make it clear, like, hey, you don't have to come after me. You can let this go. The problem is, again, 
and and this is nothing against Derry Ingolfson. I I do think that he's actually a pretty good actor, and I, I've said that for the past few weeks. I I think he's doing a, a pretty pretty good job as Oliver in the show. The problem is they basically just said we're not going to tell you why the hell Oliver acts the way he does. Mm-hmm. And what this whole season has been about regarding the brain surgeon. Why did he target Cassie and Zach? Why did he kill all these other people? Well, he's just a serial killer and he doesn't like Dexter, so that's what he does. Yeah. And, and, and it's disappointing to me that that's the ultimate answer. Just because we spent the first half of this season wondering what's the big conspiracy? What's really going on? What is, what is everyone hiding? Here, we, we basically find out, no, he's just a regular crazy person. <laughs> who killed some people, and now he's telling Dexter, you know, you don't have to come after me if you don't want to. Which I think would be interesting and fine if that is what we had been led to believe was the case from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. But it's too late. It just feels like a contrived plot point. And right. that, that scene just didn't work for me, and it frustrated me on a number of levels. First of all, I just don't buy that Saxon would do this. Second of all, it was laughably bad in terms of the dialogue, and... I couldn't tell if he really was saying we can go our separate ways or if he was being passive-aggressive and was threatening him. But I'm not sure that's a good thing because it's more of me just being confused by the scene in general because the writing is so bad. Well, it's because the character has been so undefined and we don't know why he does the things that he does. I came away from this episode feeling like, okay, really... He didn't really understand why he did what he did either. He was just kind of crazy, (laughs) and he killed people just because he felt like it. He killed Vogel because she made him mad, and she didn't choose him, so he killed her. And that's just how he works. He He's just unpredictable. And I think if they had made that clear from the very beginning, that could have been really scary. Mm-hmm. Just that idea of, oh, here's here's a psychopath that really doesn't have any reason to do what he's doing. He's kind of like Dexter in some ways. He just does it because he feels like it. Yeah, exactly. What's the line that I love here uh, that just sums up why he's doing what he's doing? Uh, Dexter says, you killed your own mother in front of me and now you just want to part ways. And he goes, it might have been a little over the top, but I was just trying to make a point. And then Dexter says, I must have missed the point. And I'm like, yeah, Dexter, you and the entire audience. Like, what is the point? Well, right. And and see, I think that that could be sinister when you stop to think about it. This, the idea that, well, hey, this guy just killed this lady, his own mother, mm-hmm. just because he was upset and he wanted to make a point about how she never really loved him or whatever yeah and for the record i did get that obviously i got that part but like what is the point of all of this that he's been up to is what i'm really getting down to right and and i think it would have been interesting you know obviously hindsight is 2020 but because so much of the first half of this season was about the code and what the code meant to dexter and and who gave him this code and this sense of order of how to do things if oliver and the brain surgeon from the very beginning had just been this force of chaos and this lack of order and this lack of a code who just kind of killed people for the hell of it to make random points whenever he felt like it. <laughs> you know, I think I think that could have been scary and it would have been a nice little dichotomy. But because they implied that, oh, maybe Vogel's hiding something or maybe there's something bigger going on here than the ultimate reveal that he is just a crazy guy who likes to kill people. You know, it, it is kind of a letdown. 
it's a letdown. It's dull. It's, uh, I feel like we've seen this character a million times before. It doesn't make him threatening at all, even though he's on the run and, you know, he's going to be around for the series finale. And he even shot Deb. I'm not really menaced by him at all. And it's not really Derry Engelson's fault. There's just nothing going on there with any depth or any sort of interesting moral compass behind that, for that character to psychologically explore. Right. They were so busy just getting sidetracked in the first half of the season with AJ and all of that stuff that they didn't really build up this character in a, in an interesting or meaningful way until the second half of the season, at which point it was kind of too late. And it, and it, yeah, it just doesn't have a whole lot of impact. Uh, getting back to that scene where he confronts Dexter at the apartment to give you an idea of how bad some of, some of the writing in this episode was, I don't remember exactly what he says, but he basically says, you know, we can leave and go our separate ways or I can stick around and you have a lot to lose. I can take out the people close to you. And Dexter's response is, I think I can live with that. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) You can live with what? You can live with leaving him behind and going your separate ways, or you can leave with him killing everyone you love. I I don't Really? It's not that hard of a line to get wrong, but somehow they still messed it up where it was unclear what exactly he was talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Regardless of how bad that dialogue was, uh, Saxon's like nods and's like that makes logical sense. It was basically the uh, the equivalent of Sax of, of someone going, "You can have a choice. You can have this or this," and the response being, "Yes." Yeah, <laughs> and you're like, "Okay, <laughs> yes to which one? What is your choice here? You think you you think you can live with what? <laughs> I don't understand." You can take the blue pill, or you can take the red pill. Purple! That's not a choice, Neo. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so getting back to Elway, there is a scene where Elway comes to snoop around Deb's place, and they have this little confrontation. All I could think was, you moron, check the bag! Like, he yeah. hands her this bag of stuff, and all I could think was, what if it's bugged? What if there's a microphone in there? And as soon as he leaves, Hannah comes out and they immediately say, like, you need to go to the hotel or the airport or, or wherever. Yeah. And all I could think was, if he left a bug in the bag, you're screwed. Yeah, you're screwed. Not to mention, uh, Hannah left her ridiculously fashionable red high heel shoes. And he could have easily <laughs> caught Devin a lie and been like, what's your shoe size? Put that shoe on, you know, like something, anything. And I'm like, Hannah, you moron. Not only can you, like, not walk around Miami looking amazingly beautiful, as if you're, like, modeling for Vogue magazine, but you have to leave all your stuff in the hallway that is, like, so clearly not Deb's, because when have you seen Deb wear shoes like that? There was a lot of red symbolism in this episode, the the, the red shoes, Deb's red dress, which I assume is foreshadowing for her getting shot at the end of the episode when she's covered in blood. I mean, subtlety has never been the show, uh, show's strong suit. But, like, even the symbolism here, when it comes down to what it all symbolizes, it's pretty stupid. Right. Okay, so after that scene, you know, we complained last week, Charlie, that Dexter didn't give the videos <laughs> to the police. <laughs> it took him a while, but but he finally came around. He finally decided to do that and to get uh, the police out in force looking for Oliver because he killed Zack. Fun little Easter egg here. I don't know if you looked closely at the file names on Vogel's hard drive or whatever, the the list of all the videos and the files that she has. She has a file folder for uh, Jonah Mitchell, Trinity's son. No way. Yeah. I missed that completely. Nice catch. Yeah, so so there are are a couple little Easter eggs like that, and all I could wonder is, 
hmm, what if Jonah Mitchell had been the bad guy this season? That would have been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, there's still one more episode. Maybe he'll show up at the airport. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe so. And then Showtime will announce, Aha! we have a season nine on the way. <laughs> <laughs> We're just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it, I, I will tell you, Andrew, if, if Showtime issued an apology saying we are so sorry, uh, we meant to give fans a more satisfying conclusion. And because of such... We plan on writing season nine, and we promise it will be better than this one. I'll take it. I don't care. Like, because <laughs> season six is bad, but it's worth trotting through to get to season seven, which is really good. And now it's just, we're left with this, basically just this turd of a season, and there's nothing to redeem themselves after that. I mean, I, I still maintain that this season has had some good ideas. They've been horribly executed, but there are some good ideas that they're trying to implement here. I like how in this episode, he finally does turn the videos over to the police. So it, does feel like things are finally starting to draw to a conclusion. You've got you've got Dexter making these big moral decisions. You've got the police and everyone coming coming down on Oliver. You've got Elway and Marshall Clayton right on Hannah's trail. So it does feel like things are finally starting to come to a head, which I like. It felt like there was a lot more momentum to this episode than there has been in some of the previous episodes. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. But once again, the execution, you know, the the last scene of this episode, which we'll get around to shortly, uh, once again, that could have been a great scene. Too bad it was totally rushed and uh, so badly executed that it just took me out of the show again and I started laughing. Right, right. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The last thing I want to say about everything with uh, Dexter sending the videos to the police there's a shot of Oliver watching the news and realizing what has happened, and he, then mm-hmm. he just goes, fucking Dexter. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is this the first time we've heard Oliver curse? It just felt really out of place. <laughs> yeah, that that was pretty funny. Um, I thought it was even funnier how he looks at the news, and, you know, I assume there's a TV on the other side of the gas pump that this guy who happens to be pumping gas next to him is looking at, and he's on his cell phone, and he doesn't even realize that as he's looking at the TV that the guy's face on the TV is actually the same exact face right in front of him. Because they're literally right next to the gas pump. I expected him to just drop his cell phone and run into the gas station. But no, it's just this random extra that they had there, totally oblivious. Everyone in Dexter's oblivious. Everyone. <laughs> um, okay, well, well let, let's start talking about the ending here. Let's start off just talking about Deb and what ultimately happens with, with her character. Not where she gets shot, but before that where she decides to have this one final dinner with Dexter. Here's the thing, Charlie. I like this scene. I like Deb showing up and saying, we're going to have one last dinner no matter what. You're my brother. I'm gonna, we're going to send you off to Argentina. It's going to be great. This is our last time to be together. I think that that was an effective scene, and it would have been even more effective if it had come at the end of season seven. Yes. And that had been the final season of the show. Because mm-hmm. that was a season that was all about Deb dealing with the knowledge that Dexter's a killer and trying to figure out what do I do? Do I turn him in? Do I ultimately join him and say I'm okay with this? In in terms of a of having her character decide I'm for this. I'm his sister we're together on this. It's an effective scene. 
Mm-hmm. It just, it just, again, it's that execution and the fact that they've stretched it out, stretched the series out for so long. She's gone through so many ups and downs that it doesn't really mesh to me with what came before. Exactly. I liked this scene as a standalone scene. But as right. I thought back to, wait, wasn't like uh, several episodes ago, she was just like, she couldn't stand him. She wanted him out of her life. She tried to kill him. The season started off with Dexter doing anything possible to reconnect with Deb. And now it's Deb doing anything to keep in, uh, Dexter in Miami. And the fact that we began that this season with Deb hating Dexter so much and snorting cocaine and basically killing herself or trying to kill herself... This scene would have worked if I didn't keep thinking back to how much this contradicts everything that came before it and how ham-fisted this is at hammering home, how much they love each other. Because I think that the two actors are great. They clearly have great chemistry. It did get really corny. There were some, you know, lines that were pretty bad, but I felt like the actors sold it for the most part. Part of me almost wishes Dexter's ending up with Deb. Uh, As much as I want Deb to get... Well, well, there was that moment when uh, they have their little final goodbye outside of the hospital where uh-huh. there, there was a moment where I half expected Deb to just grab him for them to start making out. And for, oh, yeah. <laughs> and for her to be like, remember in season six when I said I loved you? I still do. <laughs> and, I, and I was thinking to myself, yeah, that was a really stupid development. But if they just committed to it, I don't know. I could kind of buy it. I could mm-hmm. like like again, this episode did such a good job of selling me on these ideas. The execution in in some respects I think was really good. I think if they had done more to build up to something like that, maybe it would have worked. It might have worked. Multiple times on the show I've said Deb needs to get away from Dexter immediately, and I still stand by that. What I mean is If Dexter hadn't been such a jerk and they've written better scenes for the two of them to act out and Dexter wasn't walking all over her and then she just basically says, okay, whatever, I'll get over it. And they followed through with their reconnecting bonds that they never thought would be possible when the season began. If they did that in a convincing way where Dexter actually had to make sacrifices for Deb as well... It could have worked. And yeah, I agree with you. It wasn't that scene where they had their final goodbye where I thought something might happen, but it was when they were sitting on the couch and I was literally thinking they could start fucking right now and I would not be surprised. (laughs) Uh, Like, like, are they just going to start fucking on the couch? That's what it looks like is going to happen. And and if that happened, then Dexter could be like, oh my God, I love you too. Come with me and Hannah. We can be polygamists in Argentina. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll see. Now that we're talking about it, Charlie, that whole idea of Dexter and Deb being lovers, it's kind of offensive to children that have been adopted when you start to think about it. But at the same time, it's so ridiculous that I think if they had committed to that after season six and kind of kept that there under the surface, it may have worked in a weird kind of loopy, twisted way. And I can actually kind of buy that as a reason Deb would ultimately be won over again to Dexter's side. Like, if she's struggling with the fact that he's a killer and she killed the Guerta and she goes through this dark time, but then ultimately she's forced to realize, I have these really deep feelings for him that go beyond just brother-sister familial mm-hmm. feelings. I could sort of believe in that case that, yeah, maybe she would decide to join back up with him and, and be on good terms and Mm -hmm. be one big happy family but they don't do that and as a result i feel like i'm i'm getting 
whiplash here. You know, in the first half of the season, Deb was ready to kill herself or kill Dexter, and now suddenly everything's fine. And I just find myself thinking, okay, if you want to say that Deb's fine and they're on good terms now, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. In in theory, you just should have done a better job of leading up to that. Considering that she wanted nothing to do with Dexter and Hannah three episodes ago, and now even that is a bit of a stretch to where we are now. Yeah, they completely dropped the whole she has deep, deep feelings for Dexter. There was a great scene in season seven, and it could have been terrible, but she ultimately... I forget what they're talking about, but it's not originally on that topic. And then she just breaks down and says, I am in love with you. And it could have been terrible, but Jennifer Carpenter is so damn good in that scene that it kind of breaks your heart. And I think they just drop it after that scene. I don't even think they mention it. They couldn't have even brought it up when she was, you know, even if she was in therapy with Vogel and she said, I have these feelings for him. And even though he's done so much to me, I can't shake these feelings I have for him in there more than just feelings that I have for him as a brother. Like, they couldn't even delve into that in therapy. They couldn't bring that up again. Right now, it's just like the writers just want us to forget that ever happened. And it's kind of weird. Right, right. And, you know, she tells him, you've never given up on me. And all I could think was, okay, that's kind of twisted. Yeah. (laughs) This idea that, that she sees herself and she sees all of the emotional trauma that she went through and the, the, these moral questions that she was grappling with she views that almost as a flaw or as something that she had to be saved from that's kind of disturbing i feel like it should be the other way around it should be dexter telling her you've never given up on me you've always thought that i was human underneath you, you never fully viewed me as a monster it's because of you that i'm able to make this evolution now in this step forward where I don't need to kill anymore. I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, I I think that would have been a lot more satisfying because as Deb herself put it earlier in the season, he needs her more than she needs him. Yeah, exactly. But no, we've gotten to like, and you know, gender politics are disturbing about that too, because Dexter's basically had this woman who's loved him his entire life, whether it's a brother or as someone that she's actually fallen in love with. And, you know, at the end, he basically has her still saying, oh, my God, you've done so much for me. I'm going to miss you so much. You have no idea how much I love you. And he doesn't really say thanks in return. (laughs) Right. I mean, in that way, he is kind of a dick. So he was a bit of a dick in this episode because he didn't acknowledge that. Well, the problem is the writers are trying to have it both ways. Mm -hmm. They're trying to bring Dexter to this place where he doesn't need to kill anymore. But they are also trying to ignore the fact that he has killed dozens, if not hundreds of people. And they are trying to resist judging him Mm -hmm. for that and making him feel the consequences of that. So there's this conversation that he has with Deb where they start talking about moral compasses and stuff. And, And Dexter basically just tells Deb to listen to her moral compass. And it's kind of messed up. Yeah. And disturbing because it, it takes this approach of um, moral relativity where, you know, what is really right and wrong. And he basically just says, just do what you feel is right. You know, <laughs> that, that's it, what, what your what your gut and what your moral compass, what that tells you to do. That's what you should do. And all I could think was, OK, well, that's why Oliver's killing people. That's why you've killed all these people. That's why Deb killed La Guerta, which was terrible. 
Yeah. You know, like, you can't just say, listen to your moral compass, to your own individual moral compass, because moral compasses get messed up. That's kind of what the show used to be about, and now it's just redemption without any feelings of guilt from anyone. Right. Now it's basically saying your own moral compass is what matters, instead of saying there is some grander, more objective idea of right and wrong that our moral compasses need to align with. And and that, to me, is a little bit problematic, because it does feel like they are letting Dexter and Deb, to a certain extent, off the hook for stuff that they've done in the past. Yeah, which is basically why this scene, as you said, would have been great if it was in season seven. But, you know, in context, like, all of these things that you just brought up kept popping into my head, and it kept taking me out of the scene. And I agree with you 100%. And um, not only are they letting Deb and Dexter off the hook, it's Deb who's still hurt. It's Deb who has work the hardest, but Dexter gets all the credit. You know, and that's a little disturbing because Dexter's never been great with strong female characters. I mean, yeah, you could argue LaGuerta did get a moment to shine in season seven, but now she's dead and no one cares about her. It's it's unintentionally sexist by making Dexter a crutch that Deb always has to lean on. That This strong cop, this strong cop who was once a lieutenant and was the heart of the show, hasn't learned how to live her life without depending on a man. A man who happens to be her brother that she's in love with who's a serial killer. I don't know. It just makes me feel really gross. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. And it, it does make you wonder, okay, well, if this is if this is how they plan to end the show all along, again, it just makes you wonder, well, why did they need season seven and eight to do that? Why couldn't they just have ended it after seven seasons, for example? Because now it feels like the finale of season seven, there's going to be no consequences for that at all even though it was a big deal. Just a bit. I mean, it wasn't that bad, Andrew. It's not like, you know, she shot uh, someone and got away with it and then, you know, became a cocaine addict. And then, see, I'm getting angry again thinking about it. Right. Now that we're talking about this, it just makes me dislike this episode more because... Well, 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 it's it's, it's not necessarily this episode. It, it's how, again, it, I, I think Dexter's main problem isn't necessarily the ideas. It's how they've executed them. And it's how they've structured them. Like, mm-hmm. in theory, like we just said, I think they could make this ending work. I think they could make an ending where Dexter's trying to get away to Argentina and Deb is with him and they're a big happy family, but things might be about to crash down all, all around them. I think that that could be interesting and they could make it work, but it just it doesn't mesh with what we've seen before. And that's mm-hmm. that's the bigger problem. You know, on its own, I think this episode has some really great moments. It just doesn't feel very well-connected to what came before. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe we could still have an ironic ending where Dexter does have to pay for his sins, and uh, maybe just when we think the show is over and they're taking off, uh, it could pull a P.T. Anderson and frogs could rain from the sky, and the plane crashes and everybody dies. Well, I mean, let, 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 let's talk about that. Let's move into the to the ending of this episode, because, like I said before, this episode does have a lot of momentum. It does feel like things are finally coming to a head. Deb and Dexter team up, they sedate Oliver, they take him to the kill room. Dexter makes the decision not to kill him, which is a big decision, but Oliver escapes and shoots Deb. And there is this, the the way the episode ends with the voiceover saying, hey, I'm off to Argentina, my life's basically going to be great now, while Mm -hmm. we've just seen Deb get shot, I think it's possible that there could be a lot of blood in the next episode. Oh, it it better be bloody. I want this to turn into a tragic, tragic 
see a series finale. Right. And I, I, I think we might still get that. I think what the writers may ultimately decide to do, and it's an interesting idea. I'm, I'm not sure. It, again, it fully gels with what's come before, but it's possible they'll decide, okay, we're going to have Dexter come to this, have this moral epiphany. We're going to have him and Deb be back on good terms. Everything's going to seem to be great. It's going to seem like real progress has been made, but things are still going to go to hell. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think that is an interesting way to end things. And it does bring up this idea, okay, well, maybe there will be some sort of karma or judgment that Dexter has to face due to everything he's done in the past. I certainly hope so. Also, does, uh, you know, there's a lot of security you have to go through in airports. Does Hannah just think that she's going to, like, be fine? I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, I guess it's just expected at this point that everyone in that airport will be a moron and that no one will recognize Hannah, despite the fact that she's one of the most gorgeous presences on television right now. Like, she's just absolutely, like, every single outfit is gorgeous. She's got the best shoes, her Beautiful blonde hair. As I've said multiple, multiple times. So sorry that I'm repeating myself. We get it, Charlie. You're in love with Yvonne Stravinsky or whatever her name is. Yeah, we get it. I think she's a fine actress. The show basically fetishizes her as this gorgeous thing. I mean, like, what's isn't there that episode where it's just like almost uh, like that scene in 500 Days of Summer where Joseph Gordon-Levitt's like, I love everything about Summer, her knees, her hair, her like, there's a scene <laughs> almost like that in Dexter. I forget what, uh, in this season, I forget which scene it was, but it was one of the ones where he had a monologue about Hannah and they basically do the exact same thing. I mean, they're fetishizing her. Well, even in this episode, he, he tells Oliver, I think about her all the time. I'm thinking about her right Right now. Yeah, which was hilarious. And when it comes down to it, like, the main reason Hannah's not wearing a disguise is so she can look beautiful to attract male audiences. I mean, there's a lot of stupid people in this country, but I doubt many people would be like, oh, the only reason I watch this show is for Hannah. Oh, she's in this ugly disguise. Uh, I'm not going to watch it anymore. Like, I doubt that that would ever happen. And very few people would actually react like that. But I think the main reason they don't want to put her in a disguise is because they love making this actress look beautiful because that'll get more viewers. Does that make any sense or am I stretching it here? No, it does. It does. But getting back to this this big climactic scene, Elway is hot on Hannah's trail, but Oliver has now escaped. Deb has been shot I did wonder throughout this episode, wait, Dexter, if you're playing this cat and mouse game with Oliver, why are you leaving Harrison with Jamie? Like, shouldn't you <laughs> leave him with Hannah or someone who's going to protect him if, if things get dangerous? This doesn't make a lot of sense. No, no, not not at all. But nothing in this season does. So it's right. just kind of one of those things where I'm just like, well, whatever. I, You know, nothing makes sense. So I guess that's okay. Again, it's an interesting development, what happens at the end. Mm-hmm. It's the execution here. The This yeah. scene is so awful. Oh, I'm abducted by the man who was just here. Did you, did you see him? Oh, I didn't see anybody. Get me out of here, please, before he comes back. No. I thought I was going to die. Thank God you came here. Don't move. Help. No. Oh. Oh. 
First of all, Marshall Clayton, he he doesn't see Dexter and Deb. <laughs> he, he like he like goes in a different entrance or something and completely misses them. And then he he finds Oliver tied up in the chair and he unties him and I was just thinking, "Wait, you're a federal agent. Have you not seen the news lately? Do you exactly. not like, like, do you not see that this guy's face is plastered everywhere? Do you not stop to question, "Hey, why are you tied up? What's 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 going on here? And so then when Oliver stabs him, I was like, okay, Kenny Johnson, you're a great actor, but your character really deserved it. Yeah. Oh, it was hilarious. <laughs> it was so funny. And yeah, just like, I almost wish that you could see Kenny Johnson in the background while Dexter and uh, Deb are hugging. You could, that would be funny if you could see him in the background, like breaking a window or something <laughs> like and thinking he's being really sneaky, you know? But yeah, why was he even there? Because he was tracking Hannah and, or he was tracking Deb. I think he was following Deb. Because she thought that Deb would be with Hannah. Like, it didn't, he just kind of showed up. Like, it didn't make a lot of sense. I I think we're supposed to believe that he was following Dexter and or Deb, and he kind of knows that they're helping out Hannah. And he's hoping that they will lead him to Hannah. It was just so contrived. He just showed up just so he could get away. Yeah, everything with his character has been pretty contrived. As if his character couldn't get any dumber. Yeah, his character just shows up when necessary and does stuff that the writers need for the plot to move forward. But okay, so yeah, he dies, and then Oliver grabs his gun and shoots Deb, which should be an intense, dramatic moment. The problem is, again, subtlety is not in the vocabulary of these showrunners. It is so over the top. They do, like, slow motion and it just looks so terrible because you don't even see – they don't even use, like, a squib or something to show her getting shot. They just show Jennifer Carpenter, like, suddenly look like she's in pain and then she falls over. Yeah, they use the same technique they did last week with Harrison with the ow technique. It's basically just her going, ah, oh, ow. Like, And Deb has been shot before. Deb was shot in season four in slow motion. And that was riveting. I, I wasn't sure if she was going to die. I really cared about her as a character. And Lundy was shot in front of her, and it was really tragic. And I cared so much. Here, it's just executed so horribly that even though one of my favorite characters just got shot in the gut, it was still unintentionally hilarious to me. Right. I was just thinking, wait, did you run out of money? Like, why did you not even afford one little squib to go off and, <laughs> and so we can actually see the bullet hitting her? It's just, it's so fake looking and it looks yeah. really, really cheap. And I, I just was groaning when that happened. Yeah. And the whole scene is so rushed. It happens all in like 45 seconds. It just doesn't look like they spent any time on it. Ugh, they, they were just like, oh crap, we've hit the hour mark. Better throw this in really quick. Like, I, I don't know. Did that maybe it was just edited badly? It was very, very terrible. And is it just me or did she get shot? basically in the same place she got shot in in season four. Because <laughs> I was like, because I would, that would be great if she was just like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> right where my scar was. Like, <laughs> well, the worst thing about it is that she falls over and then she calls 911 or something. And she says, quote, this is Detective Deborah Morgan. I've been shot. Please send help. 
And then she hangs up. And I was like, <laughs> you're not going to tell them where you are. You're just going to make them trace the call. You're not going to stay on the line. Like, wow. Wow, Deb. <laughs> That's pretty dumb. That would be great if we got like a split screen of the people <laughs> receiving the 911 messages and then just shrugging and being like, what? Where is she? <laughs> and then having to call her back and her being like, what? <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> also, hilariously creepy hospital. Hilariously, they were tr so bent on making that hospital as creepy as possible, as if it was out of a Stephen King novel. Ugh, like, it, it wasn't even bad lighting. It was just so over the top that everything had to be stylishly lit and deep reds and dark blues. And uh, it just felt so cartoonish. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I don't have a whole lot more to say about this episode. We've pretty much gone through the entire episode. I like a lot of the ideas in this episode. I like what they're doing in theory, and and some of the emotional beats do work. But then there are other times where, especially that final scene where the execution is just really sloppy, and mm -hmm. it just it just doesn't feel like it me it's meshing together very well. Mm -mm. Which which I mean, I kind of expected after such a rocky season. This season has been such a mess that, of course, however they end it, it's going to feel messy. But it is, it's just, it is kind of disappointing because I'm not completely against a lot of what they're trying to do and a lot of these ideas. They just haven't executed it very well and structured it very well to where it, it could have the maximum impact. I'm in total agreement with you. I don't think this episode was as bad as the past few, but... There was still a lot of stuff that just uh, drove me completely bonkers, and especially because the last scene, as you said, was so badly executed, it just left me with a bad taste in my mouth afterwards. Well, he here here's the problem. Even though I, I like some of the things that they've done here and how they're bringing certain things to a head, I have a feeling that if Dexter faces any consequences in the series finale, if Harrison or Jamie or someone else dies, it's going to be because of Oliver, which means that Dexter is never going to have to deal with the fact that he's killed so many people, that he's put people he loves in danger. I'm worried that the series is going to end without him getting caught and with him basically, you know, even if a few of his loved ones die, he's not going to have to account for anything that he's done. That really disappoints me. Oh, yeah. If they end it that way, I'll be furious you know as bad as the season has been and as much as i've been like dexter's such a douchebag he thinks he's this great person and he doesn't even realize how awful he is and he has no feelings of guilt if they at least have him come to terms with all of the horrible things he's done and all of the lives he's destroyed it won't save the season from being a terrible mess but it will at least end things on a better note than i expected because I, I, I will be surprised if they have an ending where he comes to terms with uh, how monstrous he still is after he thought that he'd been able to turn his life around. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, Charlie, I'm doubtful that that's going to happen. I hate to say it because, because it's what I want to see, too, but I just don't think the writers really view Dexter as a bad guy at the end of the day, which is a problem. I think they view him as someone who had to kill who killed for the right reasons, 
who had a code, who was only taking out bad guys, and I think they view him as this vigilante hero, almost. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the finale, but I wouldn't be surprised, even if everyone that Dexter loves ends up dead, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to make that connection. Oh, it's because of me. It's because of who I am. It's because of what I do and the the terrible people that I bring into my life. But that's such a horrible message to convey to an audience. Uh, You know, I guess that, you know, the guy's probably killed more people than like Ted Bundy or John Wayne Gacy or anybody. But that basically says to us, oh, you can kill 50 people, but as long as you turn into a good person, it's okay. You're, you're a good person. So I guess that means that, you know, John Wayne Gacy might have had like 30 boys, you know, rotting in the depths of his basement for years. But as long as he realizes that he is a good person at heart and he didn't really ha- he just had this uncontrollable urge to kill boys. He was just following his moral compass. Yeah, exactly. And and John Wayne Gacy's moral compass was to murder a ton of small boys and bury them in his basement. But he's a nice guy. I mean, well, no, Charlie, because he's he's like he's like Oliver, and their moral compasses are flawed. They're they're crazy. Yeah, but like, but Dexter's crazy. Everyone on this show is crazy. Everyone's insane. Well, here's what I'm wondering, Charlie. They imply in this episode that Dexter has made some sort of change. He has made this epiphany. He doesn't feel the need to kill anyone more because he's in love with Hannah and she's become his primary focus in life now. I'm wondering if Oliver is going to use that against Dexter. Where, where Oliver, we, we already know he's was De- he was jealous of Dexter's relationship with Vogel. He was jealous that Dexter got to learn the code and he didn't. If he sees, well, hey, Dexter gets the girl who's going to save him and, and, and turn him into a normal person and not a killer anymore, I think maybe Oliver's going to go kill Hannah. And what effect will that have on Dexter, you know, what effect will it have if Hannah dies or Harrison dies? Will Dexter regress and suddenly just will the need to kill just become just consume him Mm -hmm. if that happens? That would be a really interestingly dark way to end the show if he does regress. I would kind of love that, in all honesty, if he just loses his shit and realizes what a monster he still is. I just feel like he was such an empathetic... Like, in in season one, he was more sympathetic to me because he was aware of how he has a dark passenger that makes him monstrous and that he does not believe he is a good person. Here, it's so much harder to care for him because he's still hurting a ton of people but he believes he's a good person who's worthy of redemption. And it just... Right. It's more interesting to empathize with a sociopathic character who can't feel emotions, who doesn't understand human interaction, who doesn't understand life in many, many, many ways. He only understands killing. And now that we've gotten all these really corny developments about how he does understand life, through the power of, as Rachel put it from quoting The Princess Bride, love. <laughs> like, uh... I mean, I have no problem with that. I have no problem if Dexter's going to become more human, if he's going to become a better person, if he's going to have some epiphanies. Oh, but yeah. He, he, needs to, he, he needs to realize that what he did was terrible. Exactly. And uh, becoming human, yes. Feeling no guilt whatsoever, I feel like that's pushing it too far. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to say about Monkey in a Box before we wrap things up? As Deb put it, uh, God, this is such a mind fuck. I think we're all saying that uh, right now, Deb. (laughs) (laughs) 
that is season eight in a nutshell. Yep. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> They'll put that on the back of the DVD box when it comes out. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. We forgot to talk about Ghost Harry. Well, he, he gets rid of Ghost Harry. Yeah. It makes me so happy that Ghost Harry may finally be gone off to heaven or hell. <laughs> that would be great if Dexter was like, thank you, Ghost Harry. You've helped me through so much. Your spirit can be at peace. And then Satan just comes out of the ground and like sucks him into hell or something. <laughs> and then like <laughs> Dexter has to, and then that's how Dexter realizes, oh, wait, I'm still a monster. I'm still a serial killer. And what will happen to me after that? And then Travis can come out of the pit right after Satan and be like, we'll be seeing you soon. All right, Charlie, I think you've been smoking some of Nikki's weed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I just need to get some of that weed. Where does Nikki get that weed? Because I need some when I watch the show. <laughs> she gets it from Aster, obviously. Oh, duh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm so glad Ghost Harry is gone. He hasn't made sense now for a few seasons. I'm pretty sure there was a season, I can't remember which one it was, where Dexter kind of realized... Hey, I don't need to listen to you, Ghost Harry. I can create my own code. And I, maybe that was season six. I, I I can't remember. No, that was season seven. That was season seven. Okay, okay. But yeah, but for some reason, Ghost Harry's still around. Thank God he is finally gone. I don't want him showing up in the finale. I joked about this for uh, on the Dexter cast last week, but like, what if Harry joins Vogel and Zack and Cassie, and it's like they're holographic forms of their spirits like they are in Return of the Jedi? And at the end, all of them will just be waving to Deb and uh, Dexter and Hannah on the runway. Oh, yeah. And, and Dexter's mother can be there and it'll be great. Rita can be there and uh, Dokes and LaGuerta and uh, Brian. Uh, oh, John Lithgow. Oh, yeah, it'll be it'll be wonderful. And they can have the same music, uh, the same Ewok music while they're taking off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for this episode of Avenging Angels. We would love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at avengingangels at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. So if you liked this episode, please write us a review. That would really help us get the word out about the show. You can also donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including our upcoming weekly podcast all about the third season of Homeland and the first season of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Charlie, where can people find you online? You can find the articles that I've written for your magazine, Emerson, at Issue. That's I-S-S-U-U dot com slash your mag Emerson. And you can follow me on Twitter at CTNash91. That's C-T-N-A-S-H 91. You can find some of my writing at MovieMezzanine.com and Pathios.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at WriterAndrew. If you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener, and I will follow you back. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Charlie Nash. And remember, never untie a serial killer if you find it. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!